0: Welcome to the GalaPod, with me, Galaplasidia. In this episode, I'm reading part seven of my fic, Teenage Wasteland. If you're not here for dry fanfic, you're in the wrong place. I hope you enjoy Teenage Wasteland. Chapter seven. The dinner with Draco, Ron and Hermione was exactly as awkward as Harry had thought it would be. Draco showed up at Grimauld Place with two bouquets of flowers and two bottles of wine. Which do you think Granger would prefer? he asked. Ah, that's another thing. "'Should I start calling her Hermione all of a sudden? "'Develop some charming nickname? "'How do you think she'd take to Minnie?' "'Badly,' said Harry. "'You didn't have to bring flowers.' "'Draco looked horrified. "'Is it pretentious?' "'What? No,' said Harry. "'She'll love them. "'Next time bring Ron some fire whiskey, he'll love you forever. "'For some reason he can't bring himself to buy it for himself. "'It's like he still thinks he's fifteen. "'Draco nodded determinedly. "'I'll go buy some now,' he said. "'Draco.' Stop being crazy. Draco pressed his hands to his eyes. Sorry, he said. I've told them a lot about you, said Harry. They're not expecting you to come in All my father will hear about this. He's dead, said Draco, through his hands. Right. You need a drink, said Harry. I'm fine. I think maybe I need to put my head in a bucket of ice water. Harry laughed, but Draco turned out to be quite serious. He filled a mixing bowl with ice and water and told Harry to time him. This is... said Harry. No, it's a thing, said Draco. My idiot therapist Kevin told me about it. It's been proven by all sorts of scientists. To do what? I think it makes you think you're dying and then you, uh... then you feel better. It's... science. He said the word science the way a child might say the word magic. Whatever you need, said Harry, charmed. And indeed, Draco did seem calmer when he emerged, teeth chattering from the icy water. He dried his face on a tea towel and smiled grimly at Harry. "'All right,' he said. "'I'm ready.' Ron struck out a hand to be shaken the moment they stepped through the flue. Draco took it with the gravity of a general leading his army into battle, then handed him the wine bottle. "'And these are for you,' he said, passing the flowers to Hermione. "'Oh, they're lovely.' Draco shifted on his feet. "'What would you like me to call you?' he asked. "'I wasn't sure what was best.' "'Hermione is fine,' said Hermione, a small crease appearing in between her eyebrows. Draco nodded soberly and turned to Ron. "'Ron?' said Ron, not sounding very sure about it. "'Ron,' said Draco, like a king bestowing a title. Draco tried to help around the kitchen, but he was clumsier than normal and kept knocking things over with his right hand. Eventually Hermione touched him gently on the shoulder and said, Sit down, won't you? And Draco went, looking like a scolded dog. Harry sat next to him. You're okay, he whispered to him. Draco smiled at him rather sadly. Dinner table conversation was stilted in patches. It was fine when Harry spoke to Ron and Hermione about Ron and Hermione things, and it was fine when Harry spoke to Draco about Draco things, but any attempt at a conversation that included all four of them at once was a monumental failure. Draco leapt to his feet the moment Hermione put down her fork and began clearing the table. He misjudged, of course, and gripped Harry's plate with the wrong hand, letting it fall to the ground where it smashed into shards. Draco stood still as stone, looking at the mess in what Harry recognised as fear. Hermione waved her wand and the disorder disappeared. I never thought I'd say this, but you need a house elf, Draco, she said. Harry rose and put an arm around Draco. He was shivering. Come sit, he said into Draco's ear, and Draco did as he was told. Sorry, he muttered, then winced. Harry knew him well enough by then to understand why. Draco hadn't apologized for anything that mattered and he hated for this to be the way the word first made its appearance. Although Ron and Hermione were both making a huge effort to be friendly, it wasn't until Ron tried to talk about Adelaide over dessert that any of their attempts hit their mark. How's that girl you look after? asked Ron. Adelaide, right? Draco lit up. Oh, she's... "'Well, she's having a rough go of it just now, but she'll be all right. "'She's only sixteen, you know, "'and she's making all sorts of mistakes that she'll regret later, "'but once you know how she came to them, you can't help but understand.' "'She's in rehab, isn't she?' asked Hermione. Draco frowned at Harry. "'You shouldn't tell people,' he said. "'She wouldn't like it.' "'Then he looked at Ron and Hermione, easier than before. "'She thinks of it as her trouble, not mine. "'She doesn't realise that her trouble is mine.' "'Sorry,' said Harry.' You're right, I I shouldn't have, I didn't think. It's fine, just... He spoke to Ron and Hermione. If you ever meet her, maybe don't bring it up until she does. Of course, said Hermione. It sounds as if you're very close. Oh, well, it's hard to be really close to a teenager, he said. But we get on. He paused. Do you two like children? Once they can talk, said Hermione. I only like them until they can talk, said Ron. "'After that, they're a right pain from what I can see.' "'How well-matched you are,' said Draco. "'I do wonder about—' "'Well, if I'd had Adelaide from the beginning, how different she would be. "'Maybe not at all. "'I'm not sure she's someone who can be influenced. "'She's too much herself.' "'I think you've had a huge impact on her,' said Harry, "'then to Ron and Hermione. "'Draco adopted her when he was only nineteen. "'I didn't adopt her,' said Draco, quickly. "'And it was—you know, it's been a huge mess.' I think almost anyone else would have done a better job. But she's... He drifted off, staring into space with a quiet smile. She's just good, really. He snapped back to his usual slightly worried expression. Sorry, I get very tedious when I talk about her. They moved on to other subjects, and Draco sank into a thoughtful silence. He handled his spoon badly. He was such a neat eater usually, but his nerves seemed to have impacted his ability to counter the stiffness in his fingers. He did not say anything else until long after everyone had finished eating. I tried to take Ron to a church once, but he complained the entire time, said Hermione. Draco jolted upright. A church? Why would you two need to go there? he asked. Hermione's open expression dimmed slightly. We were sightseeing. Why, is that so surprising? But... said Draco. He could clearly see that he had misstepped, that Hermione thought he was about to insult her. But aren't churches where muggles go to think about what hell will be like? Hermione was touchier than she would be if she hadn't had two glasses of wine. You think all muggles are going to hell? No, said Draco. Not at all, I just don't understand why you would need to go. Have you ever been to a church, Draco? asked Hermione. Yes, said Draco. There's one near my flat, I go sometimes. He didn't seem to realise what he had just confessed, but Hermione did. "'Oh,' she said, her eyes softening with pity. "'Well, I'm not religious, but it's not just about hell. "'In fact, I think it's mainly about heaven and God.' "'Draco nodded as if he understood. "'Yes, I think Dante talks about those a bit,' he said. "'Muggles are weird,' said Ron. "'Isn't hell just a pit of fire they tell kids I'll go to if they're bad?' "'Eternal damnation,' said Draco. He had an awful look on his face, as if he could see what he was talking about as if he knew. I always emerge the room of requirement. A long and horrible silence passed. Harry pressed his leg against Draco's under the table, but Draco didn't seem to notice. What are you doing on Sunday? asked Hermione. Draco blinked, coming back to Earth. Did we have any plans, Harry? Just hanging out, said Harry. In that case, Draco, I'd like to take you to a church service. ''I think you'll find it interesting,'' said Hermione. ''Whatever you like,'' said Draco. ''I'm sure you're right.'' Ron shook Draco's hand again at the end of the evening, but Hermione kissed him on the cheek. ''See you on Sunday,'' she said. In bed that night, Draco was manic, feverish. ''Hey,'' said Harry, trying to slow him. ''Hey, you were so great tonight. I really appreciated it.'' ''I broke a plate,'' said Draco. You were perfect, said Harry. They liked you. I promise. But Draco only shook his head. I'm so fucking clumsy, he said. Tertius always said, you're perfect, said Harry. I, you're perfect to me. (laughs) Ha, said Draco, shivering slightly. Draco, did you ever talk to anyone about Tertius? Draco nodded. His forehead was shiny with sweat. "'With my idiot therapist, Kevin,' he grimaced. "'It's all we talked about for the first year. It was bloody awful. I suppose it helped. "'I'm usually better than this. I'm fine, actually.' But he tossed and turned, and finally Harry got them both out of bed. They went to the sitting room, and Draco lay on the hearthrug, and Harry played Bach's Goldberg Variations until Draco fell asleep, right there on the floor.' Draco left Harry in bed on Sunday morning, and went to meet Hermione at a cathedral in central London. He'd never been inside. Thirteenth century, said Hermione, as they walked through the carved stone arches. Hermione kept up a steady stream of facts as they found their way to a pew, for which Draco was grateful, because his heart was beating too hard, and he would have found it impossible to behave normally. The close association he had built between churches and terror was not one he suspected Hermione could break. No matter how much she knew about medieval building techniques, the service began. Draco did not understand most of it, but he liked the smell of candles and stone. He wondered if he could find some way to capture that mingled perfume, to catch it in oil and give it to Adelaide. A cathedral, just for her. It was harder to be frightened when his thoughts kept getting interrupted by having to stand or sit or kneel. Hermione glanced at him continually, and he did not know what she made of his face. Had she expected some grandiose conversion? Draco listened to the prayers, to the fervent promises to some magical all-knowing father, and did not feel much comfort. Then, forty minutes in, just as Draco's thoughts had begun to stray inexorably back to flames and endless pain, the choir stood to sing. It was a strange, ethereal sound, exquisitely dissonant, piercingly beautiful. Draco pressed forward in the pew clutching at the hymn-book, listening as if the music were instructions from someone far greater, far wiser than himself. He could not understand the words, except one that was repeated in high delicacy. Lux. Light, it meant. He knew enough Latin to know that. Light, they sang, in their inhuman voices, the warm, slow, golden notes soaring through the fluted vaults of stone, and there was no touch of suffering to it. It was high and pure and generous, the music of forgiveness. It fell on his heart like a silence, clean as snow. As he listened, his eyes came alive, and he noticed for the first time how the light flowed through the glowing stained glass windows with a tranquillity that he could only have described as magic. Magic, the way Muggleborns described it when they first came to Hogwarts. Magic, something indescribable, unearthly, beyond human comprehension. He realised, too, that magic was not something wizards understood, because magic came from the sublime acceptance of one's own ignorance. He felt ignorant as the music slowed and softened to its shadowy close. He felt the futility of trying to predict what would happen to him. Something lifted in his chest, a part of him that had thought it knew what was in store. He looked at Hermione, expecting her to look back at him with wonder, It seemed impossible that everyone around him had not been shaken by the choir's singing. But Hermione was only curious. "'Are you okay?' she asked him. "'Yes,' said Draco, feverishly. "'Yes.' The service did not go on much longer, and Draco barely noticed its passing. He was clear-eyed with humility. It was impossible to know what was to come. He was not destined for suffering, simply because of what had been. Hermione did not talk as they left the cathedral with the rest of the crowd, but she threaded her arm through his, and he smiled at her. He really thought he loved her, then. You liked it, she said. It was such a feeble assessment that it took him a few seconds to answer. It was beautiful, he said. Thank you. Hermione stopped walking. They stood just outside a small green park, and people bustled past them. Almost every belief system makes room for redemption, she said, for remorse and forgiveness. Draco could feel the lightness seeping away, could feel his fears and doubts descending on him, as if they had been only briefly lessened by some benevolent force that could not always be there to protect him. Whose forgiveness? he asked. Hermione's eyes were so kind. Whose do you need? she asked, and he had no answer for her. She laid her hand on his arm. "'Why don't you figure that out? "'Because if it's mine you're looking for, and Harry and Ron's, "'you must know you have it already.' Draco managed a small smile. "'Aren't you good?' he said. "'Is it wonderful, being good?' Hermione's warm fingers pressed his arm slightly, "'as if she were trying to give him something.' "'You tell me,' she said.' Draco looked different when he returned from church. Thoughtful, and rather calmer than usual. "'So, how was it? Are you religious now?' asked Harry. "'No,' said Draco, sounding rather defensive. Then, quieter. "'Maybe. I don't think so. Maybe a bit.' Later, when Harry was playing the piano, Draco came up behind him and leant his sharp elbows on Harry's shoulders. "'Sometimes I think I'm arrogant even when I'm insecure.' He said. Harry didn't stop playing. Yeah? Draco nodded into the top of Harry's head. Yeah, like the arrogance of thinking you're the worst person who ever lived. It's quite self aggrandizing, really. Better beat yourself up over that, too, then, said Harry. Draco laughed, kissed his neck. This is nice, he said. What is it? Just bark, said Harry. It's nice. It was. Draco told Pansy about Harry the first time he went to her new flat. It was in a high-rise, all white cabinets with no handles and a fridge that looked so expensive Draco wanted to climb inside it. Pansy sat on the counter, legs swinging, high heels dangling, as Draco told her. There's maybe eight years' worth of shit to unpack here, but... she said, after Draco had stumbled to a halt. "'So now we're just sort of seeing each other, and it's nice, actually.' "'Potter, I know,' said Draco. "'One of her designer shoes fell off her foot with a loud clatter. "'I think if we're going to be linguistic about it, I'm in love with him,' said Draco. "'Oh, linguistically. "'Hmm. And he, I suspect, is also, to reduce the large and the inexplicable to the blunt medium of language.' In love with you. Draco spiked another bite of salad with his fork. She'd ordered it in. Draco hadn't known you could order in salad. It sounds a bit insane when I say it out loud, he said. Potter, in love with me. He slanted a look at her, to see if she was laughing at him. She wasn't. Doesn't it sound as if I'm imagining things? Your entire life since I left has been a disaster, she said. What's one more? After a month, Draco was finally allowed to visit Adelaide. He was apprehensive. Sometimes in his absence, Adelaide's mind worked itself to strange places. Places where Draco had ruined everything and was the worst person she knew. But she greeted him in the waiting room with a nervous smile. She had dressed up as if he were someone important. It was unbelievable how touching Draco found that. He could only stay for half an hour. She chatted through it, smiling and touching him often making him laugh often. She told him about her new friends, about the stupid rules, about the girl who kept smuggling vodka into her dorm in water bottles, about boring Laura's unsuccessful attempt at introducing Zen Yoga Wednesdays. Do the heroin addicts look down on you? Asked Draco. Adelaide's face changed. It became old. It was funny, that of everything, it was this that aged her. No, she said. No, they... She tucked her hair behind her ear. The roots were bad, but Draco had brought her more potion. She'd squealed with joy when he produced it. They don't notice me. I mean, they don't care. I mean, they're jealous, I think. When they think about it. Jealous of you. Adelaide nodded. In group, one of them, Logan, said I wanted to throw myself into the thing he was trying to climb out of. Draco kept his face neutral. I mean, I'm not just for the attention said Adelaide, accusatorially. "'No,' agreed Draco. "'But... "'Logan says sometimes people go chasing after rock bottom.' Draco frowned. "'How close are you with this Logan? Oh "'My God, relax, he's gay!' Draco tried not to show that this did indeed make him relax. Adelaide saw straight through him and rolled her eyes. "'You look good, by the way,' she said. "'Thanks.' missed you. Please, said Adelaide. You've just missed my cooking. A lot. I've missed it a lot. She seemed so much more peaceful, so much calmer. She tilted her head and smiled at him. Well, I'll be back soon, she said. This proved truer than Draco expected. When he and Harry first started up their strange, fierce, temporary affair, three months seemed an eternity. In no time at all, however, it was over. Draco packed his things up. It was astonishing how quickly he had grown used to living with Harry. He had kept waiting for something terrible to arise between them, some sign that they were bad together. But it was as though they had already burnt through each other's floors, and now there was nothing left but the qualities. He loved the languorous way Harry spent his time, and he loved the homey messiness of his bedroom, and the way every four or five days Harry would go on a cleaning rampage and make the house spotless. He loved the house, too, the fact that it had once been his mother's. It felt like Draco belonged there with Harry. But if he belonged in Grimmel Place, Adelaide belonged nowhere. It's just a slowing down, he said, zipping up his wash kit. He didn't really believe it. He and Harry hadn't talked about what would happen when Adelaide came back, beyond vague and miserable mentions of things that could not continue. It wasn't very clear whether it was a breakup or something else. However much Draco had said it was just a slowing down, he had no illusions. Harry wanted to wait now, but he was Harry Potter. He never waited for anything. We can't force anything, said Harry. She's going to need stability. Draco glanced at him. I... It's gone quickly, he said. Harry nodded. He looked distraught, but in that noiseless way he had when he was sad but not angry. Harry had no problem showing it when he was indignant. But when he was hurt, he was often still and brave like this, and it made everything so much worse. It's just a slowing down, said Draco again. Harry grimaced. Stop, he said. Don't. It's fine. It's only a few years. We'll be fine. She might. She hates me, said Harry bluntly. And you're the only person she's got. Harry walked him to the front door, stroked Draco's face. "'Kissed him. "'I have to go,' said Draco. "'I'll be late picking her up.' "'Harry nodded, taking a firm step back. "'Okay,' he said, not looking at Draco. "'See you around.' "'It probably was worse for Harry, in the short term at least, "'because Draco had Adelaide to distract him. "'Adelaide who was so happy to be home, "'who was full of stories and tiny differences. "'She sneezed more prettily than before.' When Draco commented on it, she grinned. Zoe and I practised. We watched this film where the heroine sneezed or cutely, and we were determined to learn how. My God, said Draco. You really were bored, weren't you? So bored. I'll never call you boring again. I had no idea. They could not stop smiling at each other. Draco had bought all the ingredients for her to make a chilli, and he sat in the kitchen as she cooked, occasionally reflecting on how strangely soothing it was to be happy with her despite the Harry-shaped ache in his chest. Harry showed up at Dinsmore's the next day at lunch. "'I haven't spoken to her yet about—' said Draco. "'No, no, I know I'm not staying,' said Harry, passing Draco a bag of food. It was from the restaurant where they'd had their first date. Draco had brought a mealy sandwich from home. He hadn't expected to see Harry any time soon.' Cynthia poked through the bag of food with interest. "'Quiche!' she said, joyfully. "'Actual joy!' How did someone get to be the sort of person who rejoiced over Quiche? He wished he could discover the secret. I just wanted to ask how Adelaide is, said Harry. Oh, said Draco. Of course Harry would be thoughtful, even as things between them petered into nothing. Thank you. She's well. She's better. It's good to have her back. I'm glad, said Harry, staring at him as if he was trying to say something else. Draco stared back. Last night had been the first night in months he had spent alone, and he had missed Harry so much it had been hard to sleep. Harry looked away. Okay, well, that's all, he said. See you around? Maybe this weekend, if Adelaide agrees. The three of us could go to a park or something, said Draco. Harry smiled, his eyes crinkling at the corners, his entire face transformed. Yeah, definitely, whenever, I'm free whenever, I mean... Uh, whatever's best for you. I'll let you know, said Draco. Harry still looked as if Draco had just agreed to marry him. Yeah, he said. Great, this weekend. Great. Uh, I'll go then, now. This weekend? You'll let me know? Go, Harry, said Draco, smiling too. And they shared a long, hopeful look before Harry walked away. But Draco was scared of telling Adelaide. She seemed so much better. So much more confident. He was terrified that he would tell her he'd been seeing Harry, and she would spiral into believing she was second best, unloved, useless. So days passed, and he still had not told her. Finally, she asked. What happened with you and Potter in the end? She asked over dinner on her fourth night back. Um, we... We saw each other a bit, while you were away. Adelaide put her elbows on the table. What does that mean? Nothing, said Draco earnestly. You're my priority. I won't see him again if you don't want me to. I thought we agreed. He was a twat who treated you badly. There were some... misunderstandings, said Draco. You're acting like I have a say in your sex life, said Adelaide. I won't bring someone you don't like into your world. Adelaide leant back in her chair, looking more pansyish than ever. It made him feel itchy and worried. If there had been no hope, it would all have been easier. He was getting rather good at resignation. It was the fact that there was one thread of chance, leading towards a shining future in which he got to have everything, Adelaide and Pansy and Harry, that made him feel like he couldn't keep his legs still. But you like him, she said. Draco nodded. His foot tapped manically against the floor. He tried to stop it, but just started tapping his fingers instead. "'God, is this how you feel when I date dicks?' she asked. "'I don't want him to hurt you.' "'If that's your only concern,' said Draco, "'then maybe he could come over this weekend, "'and you could see for yourself.' Adelaide frowned, as if she were realising something. "'You're so nervous,' she said. "'You really want this, "'not more than I want you to be comfortable.' said Draco. "'I'm serious.' "'As if I could be comfortable "'if I was keeping you from something you wanted,' "'said Adelaide.' Draco breathed out a heavy sigh. "'So he can come on Saturday? "'Just so that you can... "'So you can see that he's... "'And if you still don't trust him, "'then that's fine. "'Like I said, "'I don't want to make things difficult for you. I'm, "'I'm so happy you're back.' "'Draco, Jesus. "'Yes, obviously,' said Adelaide. "'Well, they don't count on me being polite.' You may have forgiven him, but I haven't. Draco got up, went to her side of the table, and hugged her. She made a surprise sound. Oh, Draco, she said. Were you really nervous? I just want you to be happy, said Draco, into her pink hair. You can still change your mind if you don't like him after Saturday. All right, said Adelaide, standing so that she could hug him better. I don't want to tell you what to do. I only don't want you to settle to someone shitty just because they were your childhood crush. "'You're taller,' said Draco. "'Aren't you?' he pulled away. Five eight?' she said proudly. He tugged gently on a strand of her hair. "'What if?' he said. "'What if he doesn't treat me badly? "'What if, actually, he makes me happier than I've ever been before?' He was sure he wasn't imagining the brief look of sadness that crossed her face. "'Then that would be everything you deserve,' she said. Harry ran eight miles on Saturday morning. Ron and Hermione had slept over the night before, because they knew how anxious he was, and how the anxiety seemed to translate to muscle pain. It had helped a little. He was dressed and ready two hours before he was supposed to meet Draco and Adelaide. It was agony waiting. He played the piano very badly, frantically sight-reading new pieces, trying to occupy his brain and his hands. By the time he arrived at the park where he was meeting them, he felt as if he'd been awake for days. Draco was so handsome he made everyone else at the park look rather stupid. Adelaide scowled as Harry approached. Uh, hi, he said. You must hate that I'm back, said Adelaide. Draco smiled at her as if she had just said something very clever. Uh, no, said Harry. I'm just happy Draco's happy. Adelaide scoffed, and Draco quietly took Harry's wrist and said, Having trouble with the egg? How do you notice so fast? asked Harry. Draco looked embarrassed, which was thrilling and adorable at the same time. They walked idly through the park, feeding the ducks with grapes Adelaide had brought, stopping to get ice cream even though it was too cold. Harry continually forgot himself and touched Draco in small ways, taking his hand, leaning into his shoulder, tilting his head too close when he laughed at something Draco had said. In his defence, Draco was doing the same, constantly leaning in, only to suddenly and guiltily pull back. Harry had missed him so much. Even just seeing him was a relief, like water to a parched throat. Harry didn't speak much, letting Draco and Adelaide chat away, mocking each other and bringing up in-jokes and talking about films Harry had never seen or even heard of. Harry didn't care. It was only a new side of Draco to fall in love with. They went to a coffee shop and had tea, a conversation tentative. Halfway through his drink, Harry realised what it was like. How Draco must have felt when he had dinner with Ron and Hermione. Draco had done worse things than Harry, but then, Ron and Hermione had been less openly hostile than Adelaide. Is it weird for you that you would have fucked me if Draco hadn't caught us? She asked sweetly when Draco went to the loo. Harry's heart leapt up into his throat, but he kept his voice measured. Yeah, it is, he said. She looked as if she hadn't expected that. Is it weird for you? he asked. Obviously, she said. She looked at him with hard, considering eyes. Draco has a tendency to like people who mistreat him. My therapist says it's probably a daddy-issue thing. You think that's why he likes me? asked Harry. Adelaide shrugged, studiously careless. I don't know. Is it? she asked. Draco came back and looked anxiously between them. Everything okay? he asked. Swell and dandy, said Adelaide. Who's paying? Aren't you very rich, Harry? Harry went back with them to their flat, where Adelaide seemed to relax. She disappeared into her room several times, and each time she did, Draco came towards Harry as if called to him, leant quietly against him for a few moments, drawing away when Adelaide reappeared. All my friends are in love with Draco, of course, Adelaide told Harry, sitting cross-legged on the sofa. Draco looked exasperated. They are not. Oh, they are, and who can blame them? He's very attractive, isn't he, Harry? Draco glanced at Harry, amused. Harry couldn't smile back. Draco was so attractive that it was actually a little painful. It hurt something in Harry's chest to look at him. Yes, he said, a little too roughly, then cleared his throat. He's all right. Adelaide and Draco both laughed at him. Harry fell silent as they talked, enjoying their comfortable dynamic, the way they seemed half like friends and half like family. He found himself thinking bizarrely of the way Fred and George used to treat Ginny, as if she was part of their team, but also rather too special to be fully one of them, too precious to be risked in their more dangerous exploits. By 5, it was getting dark, and Harry knew he had to leave. Grimmauld Place would be dreadfully empty. But he knew he mustn't infringe, knew he was only a visitor in Draco and Adelaide's wholesome little life. I'd better get going, he said. Oh, said Draco, looking as if it hadn't occurred to him that Harry would ever leave. It's getting late, said Harry. right, yeah, said Draco. Harry stood, put on his coat and scarf. Draco hovered near. It was nice to see you again, Adelaide said Harry. Adelaide had put on a nose-pore strip ten minutes before and chose that moment to peel it off. Motherfucker! she cried. I've told you I have a potion for that, said Draco. Those strips just damage your skin. Adelaide was inspecting the strip. But it's so satisfying, she murmured. Then, without looking up, Bye, Harry. Draco went with him to the door. They looked at each other. It was awful not knowing when they would next see each other. Well, night, love you, said Harry. He realised what he'd said a split second after it had left his mouth. Draco's eyes widened, and Harry fled. That was part seven of Teenage Wasteland, written and read by Gallup City. Tune in next week for part eight. Don't forget to join my newsletter, if you fancy, at newsletter.galapod.com. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app, and why not share it with a friend who you think will like the show? I also have an Instagram at let them eat books with underscores instead of spaces where I post reviews of the books I read. So please say hello on there. Thank you for listening.